three. And we are live and welcome back to Rafa's podcast, the Monday segment. Uh, today, I'm very excited because it's the first time I have an adult on my podcast. <laughs> and this is uh, not just any adult. He is actually my former high school teacher for many years, actually, uh, Rene Medina. He's a graduate from the University of Florida. He is a law teacher and uh, a business owner. He has his own kick kickball league that he started with some of his buddies. And it seems to be very successful because everybody has a koala kickball shirt, even the people <laughs> who don't go. <laughs> but either way, thank you so much. And uh, how have you been? I've been great, man. I'm, I'm super excited to be on. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course, uh, of course. You know, doing the same thing everybody else is doing during these times. Trying to keep busy, right? Trying to stay alive, trying to stay busy. But I mean, I mean, you've been busy pretty much every day of the week since school hasn't ended. We've been, so, so it's crazy, Rafa, since you graduated. Uh, well, first off, yeah, I, I have my 9 to 12, uh, which is what Matter Lakes, my high school has become lately. Um, although it's really not 9 to 12 because you have kids emailing you and sending you messages to remind at any time of the hour. Uh, but I've also become an MDC professor and I've oh. also become a, ooh, lights. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I, I've become an NBC professor and I've also become a draw college professor. Oh, wow. I'm also teaching Chinese students. Um, that's insane. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, things are going great for me. I, I'm very, that's awesome. Very, I'm, very, I'm very, very happy to hear that. And it's just, it's great because actually my first topic of conversation is about your teaching. So I'm pretty sure you don't remember because I mean, memory does it like that. But in ninth, when I was in ninth grade, um, that you hadn't started teaching full time yet. I think that's the year you came in. And I remember you were substituting some of my classes for that online typing class. And that's the first time that's my it, Mr. Manzano had a, a typing class and I, I'm a hundred percent sure you substituted once or twice. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. Yeah. Um, but that was my first time. And then little did I know I was going to have you for the three years come like that were to come up. Um, but how did you get to that point? You know, at what point were you like, okay, I want to be involved with, with the lives of young adults and like teach them something. I want to, I want to put my knowledge to good use and become a teacher. So I think it was one of those things that I had always said from a younger age that I wanted to teach. I had always imagined myself as a university professor down the road, even when I was a law school. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that I felt a lot of pressure to uh, like many Hispanic children, you know, you're either going to be a doctor, a businessman, or a lawyer. And well, I didn't want to be a doctor. <laughs> and I didn't think anything about, I thought business was just handling money. I didn't realize what business meant. So I decided to go into law and I, I enjoyed um, arguing. I enjoyed, uh, you know, justice and all those concepts. So I thought that was the career path for me. And then what ended up happening was that I worked a few jobs and I, and I didn't enjoy them. I, I frankly hated the practice of law for me personally. And uh, from there, I had one of my best friends, uh, Wilhelm Lapika, who is now a principal at wow. a high school. He's a principal at a, at a high school, Drow Charter, I think it's called. I forget the name. He'd kill me if he found out that I didn't remember <laughs> the high school's name. Uh, so he, he became a principal. I'm sorry, he, he, he was a teacher, and he said, hey, listen, I can get you a job substitute teaching at a high school, um, making more, because at that time I was work, making $15 an hour for mm -hmm. 15 hours a week for a part-time wow. job, which was not a lot, right? Yeah. Um, especially not for somebody who's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And it was because it was a tough time to find a job economically. I, and, and, I, and it was very challenging. And I tried applying to 100 places, nothing happened. And I, and I worked at different places. I didn't enjoy them. And Wilhelm said, listen, you'll make twice of that substituting in one week. And I said, sure, sounds good. I can use the money. And initially, the idea was for me to go ahead and... Sorry, <laughs> initially, the idea was for me to go ahead and um, just 
uh, applied for jobs while I was substitute teaching. Now, our principal, somebody who I'm a big fan of. Uh, so it was never your intention to stay to do teaching. It just happened because everything happens for a reason. I think it was something that I, I, I definitely the idea was I, I, I was entertaining the idea and Wilhelm did tell me that, right? Mm -hmm. I did think that I knew that, that was a possibility and the principal hired me thinking that that was going to be what I was going to do. Okay. But to be honest, I, I didn't know. It's not like, I don't think you make the jump from, in my experience, I didn't make the jump from one day to the next. It was something that I warmed up to. And, and, when, I, and I, when I was a sub of you and, and many other kids at that time, I, enjoy, I, I realized, you know what, I, I enjoy kids. Uh, I enjoy this. And I, and I realized that I could see myself doing it. The only hurdle, the only fear that I had was, will I be able to make enough financially to provide a future family, to pay off my student loans, to buy a house? And, and the answer so far, thanks be to God, has been yes. So I, I've loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, you enjoy teaching. I mean, as someone who's been part of your classes for, you know, I had those three years continuously. And it's just always one of my favorite times is walking in your class because it was, it was a different atmosphere than then my period five algebra or whatever it is, because it's just you ha you do have uh, that um, it's easy to communicate with you. And I think you and I th it is it is it's just I feel like you make the, the classroom environment welcoming to a lot of people. And that was, you know, an aspect that I guess a lot of that a lot of kids are really appreciated. And that's why I mean, you know, I graduated so I can say you're at the top of people's favorite <laughs> teachers. That's it. it it's it's true. It's just, it's just plain out true because of the type of person you are and the type of person um, that you portray. And I've told you many times, it's like, oh, you know, it's, it, I see sometimes I see Renee as a role model because, I mean, you're, you're happy. I mean, I'm guessing you are happy doing what you do. I love doing what I do. I exactly. Love what I do. Exactly. And that's the only reason, like, that's the only thing that people want in life is to be doing something they actually enjoy. You know, I see so many people that are just stuck doing their nine to fives. That's something that they're just have to do to survive financially and it's it sucks but and i think that's a mentality that perhaps a lot of people from another generation perhaps uh, my parents maybe even your parents rafa that they they get this mentality that you know many of them may have come recently from, from somewhere else and particularly in miami from another latin american country and they had to take the first job they could get and they yeah. didn't it wasn't easy for them to get an education they didn't have money they were set a lot further back than many of us are at this stage in our lives so I think their mentality is, hey, accept the first job that you can, make as much money as you can, because that's life. You're never gonna like your job. And I think what I discovered is, I think the money comes if you work hard at what you do and you find creative ways to make money on the side. Because the fact is, if you're just, you know, you can make money in many different ways while still enjoying the job you do. You can have a lot of different side jobs. You can have a lot of different side hustles. And if you're, if you're wise about it and you work hard at it, you can definitely, the money will follow if you're smart about it. Definitely. So I, I definitely encourage people, I think, to follow what they want to do because I think that if you're miserable with the job you have, not you only are you miserable something. at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, gotta, you have to change something because not only are you going to be miserable at work, but you're also going to be miserable at home. You're going to be miserable with your family. You're going to be miserable and you're going to take it out on people. And I think that's part of why many people divorce down the road. You know, you're, 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 if, you're, if you're generally unhappy for eight hours a day, four, five days a week, 40 hours a week, you're not going to be happy after those eight hours are up. Yeah, I, that's my mentality. And, and, and you know, obviously, there's a difference in opinion for many people. But I think that's, that's kind of my philosophy, and it's worked out for me. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a philosophy that does work out for the majority of people. I just feel like you have to just snap out of that. Uh, some people just need to snap out of the, the, the reality, the mentality that they're in, that doing A or B or C is practically impossible, but they don't know if you take that step one, you know, 
maybe one day down the line, it's possible. And many people achieve it. It's just, I tell a lot of my guests that I like to live my life by quotes because I feel like quotes are very inspirational. Honestly, I mean, I still remember a quote that was like third grade. You know how in elementary, um, all those teachers would have put up little quotes across the classroom. The, yeah, one that, sure. the one that stuck with me the most was reach for the, reach for the moon. But if you, because even if you fail, you will land among the stars. And that's, that's to me as a third grader, that was super deep. And till now it, it still holds some deepness, you know, cause it, it makes sense. You just got to push forward and try to be the best at what you do and just push forward. And I definitely think that there's many creative ways that even if you do make mistakes in what you want to pursue, there's ways to rebound. I mean, I, I think that people think, oh my God, this was my first major decision. I went this route and, and I know so many lawyers that are unhappy. Rafa. I know some lawyers that I love their wow. job. You know, I know some lawyers that absolutely love their job. They love the grind. They love working from uh, nine to seven, eight, five, six days a week because they love it. And, and, and you know what? Great. The career's meant for them. But I also know some lawyers. I've had several lawyers call me up and say, how can I, I want to live your life. And I look at them and I'm like, you know, I don't think I have anything that special. I mean, but they're, they're, they're like, I want to do what you're doing um, and maybe have a side business on the side. And, and, I, and one of my best friends, he, he followed my route. He did it better than me. He's a UN professor actually. Um, and he works, uh, I think 15, 18 hours a week. He's a UN professor. Uh, was it your friend that one time he went to our class all those yes. years back? Well, yeah. Um, Josh. Okay. I used to, you know, I saw him at, like twice or three times on campus and I'm like, he was literally teaching me about stuff <laughs> <laughs> like three years ago or something like that, which is pretty yeah. cool. Now, now it's cool. Now, I, I, my answer is my answer is finally there. He's a UN professor. And, and if you ever want to, if you want to go up to him, he's super friendly. If you want to just tell him, Hey, listen, you once came four years ago. He won't remember sure, you. Obviously. I'm pretty sure they'll make his day. Maybe, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It would, because I think, you know, it's really nice for somebody to say, Hey, you know what? You said something five years ago. I, we only saw it once, but it really, I remembered you. That's a very nice feeling. So yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what he said, but we played a game. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very early in the morning. You know, I mean, seven thirty. what time did the class start? Seven thirty, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, but I still, I still remember his face vividly because he did seem like a very nice, cool guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of my best friends, Josh Espinoza. And he, he became a professor um, and he loves it and he loves it. And he works at, he, I think he has Fridays off and he has like 20, 25 hour work days. I mean, work weeks, um, you know, and he enjoys it. And he, he, I think you can find your niche in many different fields. Um, that's the one thing I'll, I will say this. That's one thing of having a law degree that you have met the ability to do many different areas. Um, you know, you, you can work in banking, you can work in finance, you can work in accounting, you can work in as a teacher, you can work as anything really when you have a law degree um, as a business owner. So yeah, that's, that's my story. That sounds good. And so moving on, now that you've made that transition from teaching high school kids to, you know, MDC and Doral College, I'm guessing you still, you do teach older people, right? People like adults sometimes. You're gonna, you're, well, you're going to laugh because I, the MDC, I'm going to teach my first solo MDC class this mm -hmm. summer, um, human behaviors. Um, but I have not, the MDC classes that I have taught so far have all been due enrollment. So it's oh, been a lot of, if anything, it's been, younger, it's been eight years and nine years. So, so something that you're used to. Yeah, I haven't transitioned to teaching to adults yet, um, but I think it's going to be a nice challenge. Um, I've taught everywhere from eighth graders to seniors, but I've never taught younger, which I don't think I could ever do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, older. No. Um, but I, I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm excited for that. That's it's, it's, a, it's a different ballgame completely. But I mean, I feel if anything, it'll be better. 
I feel because I, I mean, it takes patience to do what you do. A lot of it. I know it does. It's it's only like seeing the kids. Not to not to sound like the older guy now, uh, compared to my like younger generation. But I see high school kids now, and I hear the things they say, and I'm like, how 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 do people teach them? How do they? How, how is this okay? So I know it takes a lot of patience to your job. I think adults wouldn't require as much patience because it's not like you're gonna have a 40 year old man. You on well, I mean, either way, if he's on his phone, it's college, so it's it's whatever. I guess he can do whatever he wants. But how how would you? I mean, how do how do you view it? Yeah. What, do you, what are you expecting from the from your students who are older? So so a few things. The first thing that I think I enjoy most about the idea of teaching adults is that I don't have to worry about things like um, are they drinking water in class? Not that I really cared about class water, but um, some of the stupid rules that. And, and, and there's a reason for them, and I completely agree with it, to be honest. I think it's necessary at the high school level. But I, some of the things like, hey, you know, somebody misses class, somebody misses class, not my problem. You know, I, I don't have to worry about um, parents. I don't have to worry. And I think that's, you know, I don't get that a lot. I get very frequent, very infrequently do I, do I have to stress parents. But I think the idea of just working with adults and, and, and them knowing that this is on them. Not on, not, yeah. I don't have to baby them or I don't have to chase them around or follow them around. I think that's something that's very, uh, is it I'm easy? looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I, and also I think there's something else to be said for the fact that in theory, if you're teaching in college, some of these classes, it's because they want to be, to be there. Yeah. now in fairness, you know, people like you, Rafa wanted to be in my law classes. I had other kids who wanted to be in my law classes, but, um, Sometimes you you have kids who they put in your courses because you know and it makes sense it's an elective and kids have to take an elective and they don't know what else to take. I think it's a little bit different in college in that there's a much higher probability that this is the class they need for their major to graduate or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a different level of responsibility that comes into somebody taking a class because they really want to learn. So I, I look forward to that and also you can have more adult conversations, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit more challenging. You have to be very careful with the topics you mentioned with the language you use even in a, in a high school setting, uh, you, you're allowed a little bit more freedom with, with some of the topics you can discuss when you're talking strictly to college kids. So I, I find that, I find the idea of all of that to be very exciting and something I'm looking forward to. That, that sounds great. And I hope, I wish you the best of luck. And I know it's, it's just going to be awesome. It, it's, a, it's an awesome transition. But when it comes to the classes that you choose to pick, that you choose to teach, how does that work? Like, do you tell them what you specify in? And then they're like, okay, we have these courses available. So go ahead. So that was an interesting journey for me. Um, I, I, had, I have to give a shout out to somebody who I'm a very big fan of, and she wasn't around when you were there, Rafa, but uh, our school's guidance counselor, uh, by my school, I mean my high school's guidance counselor, Derek Royal is a fantastic human being. And she is somebody who uh, we, the school had wanted from the very beginning, and I wanted with, to do this with the school, for me to teach dual enrollment classes. Mm -hmm. To teach dual enrollment classes, you have to be an adjunct faculty member of a university. Okay. And previously... The person who was tasked to try and help me with that uh, didn't seem interested in helping me. Uh, we'll just leave it that in that. It will, I don't want to say anything negative, but that's that's the impression that I got. The person didn't really want to help me. Uh, so we once this person got hired, once Data got hired, things changed completely. She had been somebody who had worked at NBC, has a lot of contacts with NBC, and literally within about two weeks, three weeks, I got hired at NBC, maybe a month. Max. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of how that door opened up. And once you become an adjunct faculty member, the way that they tell you is they have to, the, the university has to accept you and you have to, work, you have to apply to work within a particular department. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm working within the school of justice department. 
Okay. And from there, the department head tells you which classes you're qualified to teach. And, you know, you, you, you move from there. So um, sometimes if they're in a pinch, they'll just call you to teach any class in the department, you know, and, and you go from there and you try to take, you take whatever classes you can. I, I'm still pretty new to them. I've only been working with them, I think, about a year and a half, and I've taught already three courses. So uh, they're still get in the getting to know me phase, and I'm still in the getting to know them phase because it's not like in high school you're there every single day and they see you, right? Particularly if you're teaching uh, at a high school, you're teaching the enrollment classes at a high school. Um, but they they give me a call for any classes that I want to teach. There's a certain maximum of credits that I can teach. I think it's 30 credits a year. I can't go over 30 because then, okay. they, then I'm permanent. Um, and they ask me though, many times they'll give me a call and they'll say, Hey, this class is being offered from this and this time. We don't have anybody to teach it. Are you interested in teaching it? And I'll usually say, let me get back to you. Um, and that's when I've lost many classes because they call somebody else and they get somebody else. <laughs> so this time when they did it, I said, human behaviors, let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the opportunity so, came up, so you couldn't miss another one, right? Yeah. And, and especially cause it's going to be online. And I think, um, uh, it's a nice transition. I think it's a, it's, it's in the summer. There's not a lot of work. It's not a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot in the summer going on. Sometimes they call you in the fall and spring and you're kind of worried about Time. making that jump in the mm -hmm. middle of the school year. But in the summer, I think it's, it's something that I have the ability to take that, that, that challenge. So I'm excited. It's a, I think it's 11 total classes spread out over no, maybe less like 10 total classes spread out over six weeks, maybe seven weeks. So, um, it's cool. going to be fun. I'm excited for it. So thinking about your future, would, would you be, would you want to ever be a full-time professor at a university? The one thing I think I've learned about life is that people who say absolute statements about something that they would never do or something that they would always for sure do. Never say never. I think, I, yeah, I, right. Like, I think life has a funny way of just uh, surprising you with where you would end up, right? Like, I think if you had asked me 10 years ago if I would have ended up as a teacher, I would have said never. Yeah. And here I am teaching, right? <laughs> um, so I think that, do I see myself in the future potentially doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of many different possible futures that I could see myself doing. Uh, I love working in my high school, and I've said this before a million times. I've said this in private to my principal. I've said this publicly. I've said this to my students. Everybody that knows me knows that I love working at my high school. Um, I think finding a principal that you feel supports you and that you feel um, has your back and that you enjoy working with and you and you and you respect as a leader. Yeah, a big is a big uh, part of the equation for me, right? I know many teachers that hate their jobs, not necessarily because of the teaching component of it, but because they don't like their principal and they have a very bad working relationship with management. And that's true of any career. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that for as long as he's there and I'm happy with him being there and, and, and anybody that comes after him, um, you know, it's somebody that I enjoy working with. I can see myself continuing teaching high school, but I definitely think that you don't limit yourself. And, and I think that very you, true. one of the things that I want to tell you guys, Rafa is I'm a very firm believer in trying to have multiple sources of income. I think part of the problem that you see now, especially now with this COVID-19 situation, I think one of the things that you encounter is that many people rely on one form of income. To yeah, make, to make most definitely. And, and if for whatever reason you get laid off, you know, heaven forbid you get laid off, you get furloughed, something bad happens to you, how are you going to pay your bills? You're collecting unemployment maybe, but it's not the same. So for me, one of the things that I've always, from a very young age, believed in is having multiple sources of income. So Financial security. It's the, yeah, most, right? I it's mean, the most important thing, if anything financial security. So I know that I can pay my mortgage and my bills um, tight. It would be very tight. Mm -hmm. Even if I were to lose my job teaching at, at Matter Leagues, yeah. right? So I think that's part of the equation um, for the whole thing.
it's funny. It brings up a, a, a memory. I mean, remember how I did tell you like role model status? Mm -hmm. um, I do remember that I forgot exactly what grade it was, but I remember you were paying well, you were making a payment on your student loans <laughs> and you paid like 17,000 all at once or something like that. You're, you know what I'm talking about? Was it? Yeah, it was, it was Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo 2016. There you go. There you go. It's something like that. It's just, I was like, wow, I, I, I want to be able to do that all at once. Like it's just all that money all at once to, you know, take some weight off your shoulders. And, you know, it was interesting, Rafa, when I did that, because there's some people who, there's a different way of doing that. Some people would have said, hey, just put that money in, down every month. Because I, I probably paid more interest saving up that money and paying it all at once mm -hmm. than trying to put that money quickly into the, into, the, into, the, into the system, into the debt. But I liked having, I'm a big believer that, you know, I try to get rid of my debt as quickly as possible. And that's something that I've tried telling people. Try to get rid of debt as quickly as possible. Um, they don't realize how interest ruins your life. Yeah. They don't realize how credit ruins your life. So the tune of maybe paying two or three times as much, depending on what you're buying uh, and how long it takes you to buy, whatever it is that you purchase. But I, I, with my student loans, I wanted to have that extra money. And I've always believed in having a nice cushion in your bank account just in case something bad happens, right? Like you lose your job or you have mortgage that you can pay for payments. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that went down. That's, that's pretty funny that you remember that. It, yeah, it is. I mean, think about it. It's just small things for that. Like small, something so small that you did resonated with me for such a long time. And it, it only makes sense, you know, financial security, but how did you feel though? Did, did you feel like <laughs> when you clicked pay, were you just like, or I, I'll tell you this, Rafa, it was one of the most, um, bittersweet moments, right? Mm-hmm because I still had another student loan to pay off. That was me paying off my, I had, I graduated law school with three student loans. One was for about 5,000, one was for about 20,000, and one was for like 65 or 70,000, I forget. Mm -hmm. And I went in order from smallest to biggest. Also something that I recommend to people because if you have multiple debts, try to pay off the smallest ones first so that if you were ever losing, lose your job, you're paying the monthly minimum on each of them and it becomes more manageable. Then if you're trying to pay a large amount to multiple stuff, that multiple multiple loans, well now it's a little bit rough on you. So I was paying off my second biggest student loan. I already paid off my smallest one, and um, you know I had never had seventeen thousand in my bank saved, right? Like I think that's a feeling that many people are like, oh, I have seventeen thousand. Yeah. And you see that number? It's not like that number grows from zero to seventeen thousand in one day. It takes a little bit <laughs> to get there. So you you're, you you click pay. I think I had an extra thousand dollars left over in my bank account and you see the money get deposited and you just, lose your bank, you know, and, and, and yeah. And it's just like, wow, it's a great feeling. Cause you know, you don't have to pay those $400 a month for the next 30 years ever again, mm. but it's also a crappy feeling in that. Oh my God. Like it's just gone. It's just it's gone. You don't, I got you, nothing. Yeah, you don't feel it. It's just like a bandaid. And then, yep. Yep. But, I and, but I, you know, I did that again later on with my other student loan, my, my $65,000 one and my car payment. Um, I'm, I'm blessed enough that right now I'm in a position where I don't have any debt. Um, you know, I basically, whatever I buy in a month, I put in my credit card, I accumulate points on my credit card. I pay off my credit card at the end of the month, no interest applied. And we go from there. So I just have pretty much my gas, my insurance, and now my yeah. mortgage. It's a cycle that you've, that you established yeah. in your life. And it makes sense. It's funny. Cause a little bit ago, I saw a statistic. Um, I don't want to say the exact number because you can't really do that with statistics. Statistics. I don't really remember. It was like 50 or 80, but it was that, you know, the majority of Americans don't have a, don't even have a thousand dollars in their saving account. Yeah. And 
that's that sounded a little insane to me because you know all those any emergency that can pop up and you don't have the money what do you do like what happens it's 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 crazy but i don't i also don't understand what do you think it is is it not taught like regularly in schools or just overall life people really don't tell you to save up your money or be responsible with with your finances it's it's i mean as someone who's gone through high school and i'm about to graduate college in december it's not it's not a big topic that they're they're not putting billboards outside and telling people to be financially smart is it just part of the system i don't know i mean you you i think i think it's a combination of factors rough and i think it's a very complicated question um i think obviously if you're somebody who is who has who comes from the upper class your parents you don't worry about it yeah yeah and your parents have taught you perhaps hey listen uh here's how we did it don't mess up and and, and you're born into it you don't, you're not born into debt um I think, you know, I think a lot of it is, is it's a few things. Um, it, to me, sometimes it's crazy that an 18 year old can get themselves a hundred thousand dollars in debt yeah. because I really think that at the age of 18, many times you don't really know what you're doing financially. Um, the average 18 year old, you know, there's exceptions. There's 18 year olds who are extremely mature and they, they have a maturity level of 50 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a combination of things. Number one, it's not historically taught at high school, right? Um, there used to be home econ classes where they basically teach you about life and how to like, uh, how to cook, how to do simple things, how to change, how to do an oil repaint, uh, an oil change, how to do, uh, you know, a tire change. How, and, and we don't have that anymore, really, in high school. Um, Unfortunately, so that's part of it. You see, home economics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they teach you things like how to balance a check, a checking account, how to balance your checkbook. Which you guys hear the word balancing a checkbook, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> um, so I think there's that. Uh, I think it's the fact that we also live in a generation my generation and your generation. And I think we're still, I think you're a millennial too. I think you're, I think we're both millennials. I don't know if you're, I don't, or, or I think, you're, I think I'm Gen Z. I was born 1999. Z? I think okay. I'm, I'm Z. You're borderline though. I'm, I'm very borderline, but you know, you're Gen yeah, that's what yeah, I said. I mean. It's, it's roughly the same thing in the sense that we've grown up with instant gratification being, you know, kind of shoved down our throats for every day, for day after day after day. He, you know, the quote that I always laugh at is do what makes you happy. There's truth to that, but not everything that makes me happy today is going to be what's good for me long-term, right? Like, uh, you know, that's why people make bad decisions because they think they're doing something that's going to make them happy instantaneously. And then they look forward in the future. And now, Oh my God, I messed up something significant in my life. And I think that comes to finances as well. You know, you have people who turn around and, uh, they, they, they go and they, the first thing they do with their big paycheck from, from, from work or from, from their job that they work in high school or colleges, they go and they deck out their car. Yeah. I, I, Pri- get it. I, mean, I mean, I get it, but also priorities, but a lot of people don't have the sense to prioritize. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just, Hey, you know what? I, it's, it's about the, the, the feeling you get seeing that car and the image you're trying to sell to other people about mm-hmm. who you are and what that car says about you. And obviously that's very important perhaps to an 18, actually to anybody. To many people. I mean, in today's day and age, everything is image. Everything is image. People are, that's the only thing they worry about. People's Instagrams, Twitters, Facebook, whatever you want to portray, it's all all image. image. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, people don't realize it, but at that moment they're making a decision, which is, hey, instead of putting those thousand dollars in, invest in the stock market. Just something as stupid as that. Even if you lose the money, you're going to learn something from your investment. You're going to learn something from the experience. You're going to learn something about the stock market that will help you in the future. Even if you want to go back into investing, and, you know, and I didn't go the stock market route. That's not my preference, but that's just one idea. Um, anything, those thousand dollars, if you're able to save them down and, and, and get rid of that debt, 
it's crazy. And I think it's not taught by families. I think people are taught, hey, put them on a credit card. And I think it's a lot of it is, is and it's going to suck that I say this, but we don't have a basic understanding of math. Right? No. We don't. You, you hear, oh, especially, in, especially in this country too, because I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Rafa, you hear something like, and I think people our age hear something like, oh, it's only 5% interest. And you think, well, if it's $100, 5% interest is $5. No. No, it's not that. It can easily, it depends on the number of years you're doing that. It depends on, you know, a lot of different factors. Before you know it, your 150 becomes 130, 140. And that's how people lose money. They, they yeah. see something and it's the, we, I have to sum it up in one sentence, we don't know the difference between our wants and our needs. And we think that everything we want, we need. Notice how even in our language, we don't sit there and say, I want that. What people t- say all the time is, I, I need, need it. No, mm-hmm. you really need it? You know, you need water, you need food, you need clothing and you need shelter. Do you need anything else? Not really, not, not materialistically. And, and I mean, our I, language says that. I've been victim to it. I mean, as, as growing up, it's yeah, just something that you learn over time. It was uh, an experience because I, I do think, I do strongly believe going to college and those four years kind of do define you in a good way. Like yeah. they shape you and mold you. And, you know, I, there was a point in time where I couldn't have a job, uh, like because I was just going to class and living on campus and doing all these things. Um, so I, it's not, I, I feel bad asking my parents for money. So, you know, I had, I had my, my stuff and the university of Miami thankfully gives me free food, uh, you know, with the dining dollars or whatever. So in that period of time, I really found out that I had everything I needed and how insignificant so many purchases that I had made in the past, uh, have been Yeah. like even yesterday, you know, I, I went to Ross, right. I bought myself a couple pants, a couple shirts. I came back and I was like, okay, I, I did. I honestly, I did need some new clothes, but looking back at all the previous things that I have in my closet that I'm going to give to my cousin, it's just like, I wore this probably like once or twice. And I, it, it was so meaning, meaningless. And even like, for example, you just said that the first thing we do when we get credit cards, a big paychecks as some young adults, my first credit card, which I still have now. Cause obviously I can't let that one close. I know it's a very important lesson. Yeah. Um, the first thing I did with a thousand dollar credit limit was buy a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> you don't know how terribly I regret that move. now. Such a new move. Like my financials were not on point at that moment, and it's just it's crazy because every time I pull it out, people are always like, "Dude, this is this is like new. You've never touched this. I promise you, I've used it less than maybe twenty five times. No, that's an over. That no, less than thirty times over." the two years, almost three that I've had it, which is insane. Cause as you look back and it's like, I could have been way more responsible with those $400, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's lessons that life has to teach you. And I believe that's why these like last three, four years have been very defining. Cause I've had a lot of those life changing experiences that, you know, really, I got my car towed in Los Angeles. I was alone over there and that one hurt, you know, that one hurt. It's, it's finding the $300 plus $160 fine. It's just small mistakes. Like you were saying, a lot of people give up on one error, but it's just, you have to understand that every time you fail is an opportunity to get back up. And do yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. that's, and that's how I live my life. I try out different things all the time. I'm obviously I'm, I have to be smart about it because it could affect me in the future, but I try to, even if I fail at something where I lose interest, I continue to do something else because I can't just stay, stay put. I can't do that. I think that taking risks, as long as they're calculated and you're thought out and you've researched the information so that you try to minimize the risk as much as possible and maximize the reward as much as you can, I think that's fine. I think the mistake comes when you don't really think something through 
and you go and do something based off of an impulse, based off of a, uh, you know, so your, your, your desire and your, and your want for something and you don't really think something out. And then you see yourself, oh my God, I just signed off on a $20,000 debt or, or something, or even if it's a thousand dollars without really having thought it through. So I think risk is fine. You know, um, I started a business. That's a, that's a risk. You know, there's no guarantee that a business is going to work. Um, Didn't you say it takes about 16 or 18 months for a business to become profitable? The average American business was told to me by, by one of my very good friends who, who helps me a lot with, with quality football work. He told me that, and I've never independently fact-checked this, so I've never checked to see whether he's wrong, but I believe he's right. The average American business takes 18 months to get its first profit. There you go. I see. I remember that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, there you, you go. I'd say it all those years back. <laughs> and it's just, it's always, it's always been, it's always been like, it, it takes a lot to start a business. My sister tried to start a business. It didn't go through, but it's just, I've always kept that in the back of my mind. It does take a while to be profitable because so many things have to go on account. So like things that you, as the average person, wouldn't even just begin to comprehend how many things you have to put together in order to start a full-fledged business it's it's yep. ridiculous there's a lot of things that go into it and a lot of things that people don't realize and and not just that i'll, I'll give you another statistic since you like that one and i don't think i shared this one with you i had a high school teacher tell me this because i see sometimes things i still remember from high school now this was 15 years ago i had a high school teacher once tell me he was an economics teacher and he was saying that 10 percent of businesses make it to become like very profitable highly highly profitable only 10 percent of businesses now, the other 90% either don't become super profitable or just fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so his philosophy was people look at that and say, oh my God, I've got to try 10 times to get one business to be very successful. I doesn't mean I'm going to work. And he said, that's incredibly stupid because he said, your 10% might be your first shot, yeah. right? Your first one might be the one that succeeds. But even if you don't succeed the first few times, if you become good enough and you try enough and you keep going at it, the failure from the first time will be lessons that you can apply to the second or third business idea that you have, right? So like I have multiple business ideas that I have with different business partners that I, that I still have cooked up and that I'm waiting for 2020 to kind of relax and the whole COVID-19 to kind of relax a little bit um, before I can start picking them off and, and, and implementing them. I think any experience, if you're trying, you're making an effort to be purposeful and learning from them and, and, and take them for what they're worth, you can do anything with any experience. So try multiple businesses because if you're lucky enough, you might be set for life with a very good business idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's so, just having the courage and the responsibility to start. Another quote that I like is day one or one day. Yeah. Which is it? Which is it's it? It's 100%. You're 100% right. It's day one or one day. Which one is it? Which it's, one is it's, it? So, it's, it's good philosophies to live by. I, I, I just think that I don't recommend – people living by fear because yes. when you live by fear and look, I, I live by fear for very large portions of my life. Even now, sometimes I still live by fear and you try to work on it. I think that if you live by fear, it prevents you from taking chances in life with something that you think you can do. Now, one of the things that we suffer from when you're younger is you're not honest with yourself, right? So like you know, when you're a kid, you think that nothing bad could ever happen to you. Like you can, there's, you, that's why you see kids jumping off of like roofs, and you're like, you're, you're a pain. You're like, Oh my God, they're going to break their head. Well, because when you're a kid, you think nothing bad can happen to you. Then you get older and you're like, Oh my God, people die and people get injured and people suffer. Um, but I think that you can't live by fear in the sense that you can't live, let fear paralyze you from pursuing your dreams and let fear paralyze you from taking chances. Because the fact is that the only thing that happens when you get older 
is that it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to take different paths because it requires more time for you to reinvent yourself to do something new and you have more responsibilities. So maybe you have a kid, you have a wife, you have more expenses you have to pay for. But the truth is, I strongly believe that there's no age that you, that at any age in your life, if you're courageous enough, you can reinvent yourself and do something completely spectacular. Look at the lives of some of the most successful people. Many of them didn't get started until they were 50. And that's not me saying, hey, don't worry, you've got until you're 50 to start becoming very successful. I mean, Samuel just, Jackson, Samuel Jackson was, he was addicted to crack. Yeah. <laughs> addicted to crack. Uh, look Robert at Downey Robert, Jr. Robert Downey Jr. That's the next guy I was going to go with, right? All these incredibly successful people, they, they had very negative experiences in life, made bad decisions. But at some point, they decided that they were not going to continue being that person. It was tremendous yeah. willpower. And they changed. And I also think that that goes along with having a good nucleus of people that care about you, that love you. That Definitely. You. There has to be a backbone to this because yeah. without that support, you, you can't move forward. But I do think it is a very important thing for society to understand that, you know, one mistake or one choice that you made in the past is, doesn't define you. There is room for change, you know, and people are judged every day. Like for it's, it's a huge thing on the Internet now that people would, especially, it happens to celebrities all the time. Look what Kevin Hart, he couldn't be the host yeah. of, I forgot what, what, of Oscars, I think it was. he couldn't be the host of the Oscars for something he said a, a very, very long time ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The director of Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, James Gunn, he had tweeted some jokes like 10 years ago. He lost his job, luckily he got it back, but it's just, and I understand, having now the understanding of the business world and the image of these companies that hire these people, I understand why they do it, but I also feel like they don't take the account the, the they don't take into account that they are humans that are able to change, and maybe their thoughts or tweets from ten years ago don't reflect them, don't reflect who they are today, and that's the biggest part that so, is just always thrown under the rug. Yeah, I mean, so a few things on that, right? Um, I I think that we have it's funny because in this movement that we've pushed for increased tolerance of different ideas and different viewpoints. I think that the people who have increasingly received more and more tolerance of different ways of living life and different images that were not acceptable 30, 40, 50 years ago, it's become now the mainstream. And it shows you that it's not necessarily the thought itself that makes you tolerant or intolerant, but it rather, do you respect the fact that somebody else can disagree with you, have a very genuine disagreement with you and not judge them for it, right? And, I, and it's not just, it's no longer about, hey, you know, now there's different areas of life. There's different things that have become much more acceptable in, in society that weren't acceptable in the past. Whereas those views from the past are no longer acceptable. Well, if somebody disagrees with you, isn't the whole point about being more tolerant to tolerate opinions that you disagree with? But I think that's close-minded. You have to understand why the other people think that way. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that you know you're never gonna feel somebody like if there is somebody who is judging you and is hating you and is disagreeing strongly with who you are as a human being, the way that you're going to convert that person to becoming open-minded and, and, and really it's not about open-mindedness, it's about loving. The way that you're going to change that person's opinion is not through hatred, right? I think- Yeah, no uh, one has ever been, oh, you changed my mind after a fist fight or an argument. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like and, and I think Ellen DeGraw had a, a very uh, moving segment once, which I, which I very strongly appreciated and respected her for it. Ellen DeGraw had this scenario, this, this segment where she uh, was caught a few years ago at uh, tech, at Dallas Stadium uh, or at Cowboys Stadium, wherever the Cowboys play, sitting next to George W. Bush. And George W. Bush is somebody who's very strongly not associated with being friendly with today's uh, gay rights movement. Right? Yeah. The same thing happened and, to Ellen, right? 
Same thing happened to Ella. That's what I said. Is that did I make? That's what I'm saying. Did I speak poorly? Did I say your name wrong? I said Ellen. Did you say Ellen? I think I thought you said a last name. I heard like Ellen Graw or something like that. I think it's Ellen DeGraw. I think her full name is Ellen DeGraw. Oh, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, Ellen DeGeneres. I'm yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Ellen, Ellen. Yeah. Ellen, yeah. Her. So, you know, so you know the story, right? Like she gets, she gets pictures or seen of her with George W. Bush, and she says he's one of her best friends, even though they don't agree with one of the fundamental things of her life, which is her gay marriage. And, and to me, that was a very moving segment because I think that if we don't learn to accept the fact that somebody's going to disagree with me and we have a responsibility to love that person, whether they believe what I believe in or not, then we're just doing it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this trigger figure, you know, tri- and, and, and in some ways the president encapsulates this. We have this mentality of, hey, you know what? We have to have instant judgment, instant analysis provided to us at every single moment. Um, somebody, there's a trade, the Dolphins make a trade and immediately somebody has to have an opinion on, and, and we have to know for sure just What's turn off the comments. Just turn off the comments. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Like everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a comment. And we've lost, I think, sight of listening, right? We've lost the sight of listening. We've lost the sight of – and look, I've been guilty of it. When I was younger, I was much more judgmental. And, and I think we all have a tendency sometimes to judge a lot of things. And I think judgment comes from fear. Definitely. I think we only judge because we're scared. We're scared by – either what someone else did and what that may mean for that person's life because we love them. We are scared um, about uh, being different or being, or somebody, you know, fear. It's, it's fear. And it's not that I have to agree with your decisions, Rafa, because there is, I believe strongly such a thing as right and wrong in life. There is. Um, but that doesn't mean that I get to tell you I am better than you because you made a bad decision or a series of bad decisions. And so I think it goes back to, to what you were saying uh, about you're allowed to make mistakes in life. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to have to forgive yourself and you're going to have, because, and you're going to have to move on from them. As long as you learn from them, as long as you're genuinely sorry, I'm somebody who's a believer in God. I'm a very strong Catholic. I believe that as long as you make peace with God, nobody can judge you for it. Yeah. Right. And, and anybody that judges you is, is in my opinion, guilty of a much worse see people who argue religion and things like that i feel like they're just wasting their time yeah because it's it's honestly so like i have a very religious not superly uberly religious family like we're catholics here i believe in god you know my dad is a way bigger believer than me if that's the right you know he's just very religious that's how he was raised my dad was born in 1954 in colombia very religious all his life there are certain things that we have different opinions on yeah. And all, although sometimes it is natural for us to like argue a little bit about something, I understand that religion is something so important to him and so deep to him. So why would anyone, why would I try to intervene in those thoughts if at the end of the day, it has, it, it's not affecting my life in any way. If it makes him happy, if, if he wakes up in the morning and he's thankful for everything, like as anyone should be, why would, it, why would anyone try to interfere with that? You know? And that's, that's the problem. It's why, why if you have your mentality... I accept yours. Like I can, I can be 100% accepting of yours because it doesn't affect me, you know? And it's such a big yeah. problem in today's society because it is judgmental. Everything like, for example, oh, an app like Twitter, Twitter is a very toxic place. Yeah, absolutely. Very toxic place. I have to keep it because current events and, you know, some funny memes most of the time, <laughs> but the things I see on it, it's just, you have people from all walks of life trying to give an opinion on one thing 
you know how many people disagree with each other and start, you know, making everything about this and making everything about that. It's that's society. Twitter is just society in, in, in our phone. That's, yeah. that's what it is. I, I, I definitely think Rafa that if we have a conviction on something, we have an obligation to try to get people to see that what we value is important. Um, so let's pick something that we can all agree on uh, ending slavery, right? So like somebody had to convince a very big number of Americans uh, or a group of people had to convince a very large number of Americans that slavery was evil and we had to get rid of slavery, right? Um, and in that sense, it wasn't about accepting the difference in opinion, but rather trying to convince those minds. But I think sometimes that while we may feel that we have a moral obligation to convince minds that their viewpoint is morally wrong, we must do so with love. Yeah. And, 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 and there's a saint that I love, and, and, and I'm only going to mention this because I think it applies not just to religion, but to other facets of life, which is uh, St. Francis. Uh, I think I, I forget if it's St. Francis de Sales or St. Francis de Assisi, and he says, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, preach with your words if you must, but always preach with your actions. The idea, again, being actions speak louder than words. The most Definitely. important thing is if you're trying to convince somebody to be more loving and you yourself are not loving, you're not your going to get anywhere. not going to be heard. Mm-hmm. You're, because you're going to be considered a hypocrite. In fact, you're more likely to make somebody turn more against you. And there's been times where I've messed up on that in my life. Um, there's been times where I think messages that I've communicated have been completely misinterpreted, mis- misunderstood, and, and, and interpreted in a judgmental way that I didn't mean. And, and I've had to live with the consequences from that. I've heard yeah. people speak who I care about. Uh, it's part of being human. It's part of being human, I, I unintentionally. Um, and, and I think, but I think the most important thing is, you know, can you forgive somebody, right? Going back to what we were talking earlier, all these, all these, can you, can you forgive somebody for number one, not agreeing with you? Yeah. Number two, for a mistake they made in the past, right? Like we are not, I am not a better person because I can sit here, get on a soap opera box, soapbox and tell you, Hey Rafa, you know what? You did X, Y, Z and how dare you? That doesn't make me better than you. In fact, that makes me, I would argue less of a human being than you, because if you honestly made your mistake and you're sorry for it, I'm no longer anyone. Like, I, I don't have the right to judge you. I never Definitely. did. Right. I mean, perfect example of a situation like that. I was watching a video a couple of weeks ago and it was a, a white supremacist right. and he went inside a crowd of people prost- protesting against white supremacy. So, you know, this guy's walking and he, there's people shouting at him, pushing him. He even gets punched a couple of times. That's not going to help anyone. Correct. But then you have this guy, uh, this man of color, and he goes up to him. He gets, he just gets super close to, to, to the guy and he starts telling me, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Look at me. I, I'm just like you. Why do you hate me? Like yelling, not yelling, but just telling him very passionately. He's like, why do you hate me? What makes us so different? And the guy was just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I hate you. And, and now you can like, exactly. You can't judge people from their mistakes. Now there's people, you know, that ex white supremacists or neo-Nazis, whatever you want to call them, that there's just a group of people who got out of that phase in their life and they're very sorry for what they did and they're they're, they're very understanding yeah. so it can happen As there is love there love is a it's a huge aspect to solving problems but there isn't enough there isn't enough love to go around these days and i and i think rafa that you're that people are guilty of the very same lack of love that they so quickly see in somebody else who is judgmental who's a white supremacist who's a nazi or neo-nazi whatever you want to label them i think that they're guilty of the same level of lack of love when they show that person no love. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's easy to love somebody that you like. 
it's easy to be tolerant of an opinion that you agree with, <laughs> right? It's not easy to love somebody that hurt your feelings. It's not easy to love somebody who disagrees with you. It's not easy to love somebody whom you don't get along with. And I think our obligation in our society, and this goes back to a lot of what I think is wrong with our society today is that we no longer have that basic love for other, for another human being. I, I don't, we don't look at another person as somebody who has dignity, who has self-worth because of the fact that they're alive. Yeah. We just look at them and, and we quickly categorize them as either somebody who supports me or is against me. And if you're against me, you're the bad guy. And I, I think that the minute I start thinking of somebody as a bad guy, I start becoming a little bit more of that same bad guy that everybody that I'm quick to say isn't somebody else. Right. Uh, as Michael Jackson would say, it all starts with the man in the mirror. So if I myself don't love, uh, I don't think I have the right to tell anybody else that they don't love. Very correct. And that is just another philosophy that I've had to learn. And it's true. I mean, you, you can't, who, you, who, who's going to love you if you don't love yourself and things like that. It's just, it's very, very important to acknowledge everyone's surroundings and what will make other people like exactly, exactly how we started this set, this part of the podcast. What, why do you think this way? You have to really understand others viewpoints. And I think this is one of the reasons why I enjoy doing these things. Cause I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but I know one day I'm going to have a guest like once it's once I get out of my circle of the people that I know and we might disagree on something, but that's not going to make me hate them. You know, if anything, I want to know why you think this way. Like it happens all the time in society. There's people who, you know, I, I, if I see someone who has a Trump flag or ha, or I, they just tell me, Oh, I support Trump. I'm not going to walk away. It's if anything, just tell me your values or, you know, what's important to you. And if you came to this decision, that's what makes you happy. I'm not going to punch you in the face because that's not, that's not going to help anyone. It's, it's such a, it's just insane that society has such issues like these. It's, it's, it's basic human things to love, love, I mean, love your neighbor, right? That's one yeah. of the oldest quotes in the book. Yeah. It's, and I think there's lack. And, and I think that's the issue. I think that we've discovered that it goes back to the same problem. You asked me earlier today, why is it that I think people, so many people struggle financially and, and struggle? Is it a lack of education? Is it, I think it's the fact that we have lost our control of our appetites. Um, Plato uh, was a very big believer that we have to control intemperance. And, and temperance is a word that you don't really hear anywhere in society today. People don't even recognize what temperance is. Temperance is the control of appetite. And appetite can mean many things. Appetite can mean literally the food appetite. Appetite can mean uh, any time that you have lust. Appetite can mean um, money, uh, uh, greed. Uh, so I think that we, what we, what we, and it's in every commercial and it's in everything that you see on Twitter. Do what makes you happy right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Live for now. Make yourself happy now. Make yourself happy now. Well, sometimes some things that really are worth being happy about take a long time to develop. And if you don't develop that patience, if you don't develop that um, willpower to kind of hold off on different things, um, you're going to be miserable. And in that misery, you're going to spread that misery to other people. And you're not going to have love because you never discovered what love was. Love takes time, yeah. right? Another quote from that book, love is patient. You're not patient with yourself. You're not patient with others. You're not patient in anything in life. And all you want to do is what makes you happy this very second. Well, you're going to treat people the same way. That person didn't make me happy this very second. So you know what? Boom, bye. Get out of my life. Uh, and I don't think that's how we treat our neighbor. I don't think that's how we should speak to each other. Um, so I think it's a lack of patience financially, a lack of patience in our own life, a lack of, a lack of uh, let's say, some uh, willpower, right? A lack of willpower in, in, in not wasting our money and not wasting our, our 
emotions for things that really aren't worth it and, and, and that patience. I know I'm, I feel like I'm blabbering and I'm going into like many different areas. It's okay. But... This is the whole point of doing something <laughs> like this. I, I, if anything, I enjoy when people start not blabbering necessarily, but there is just, it's just, that's your mind just rapidly shooting things that are important yeah, to you yeah. and things like that. And that's, I love that. That happens to me all the time. It's just something why I have to have these conversations. I can't just sit in my room thinking about this by myself and, or talk to one person about it. I have to talk about the different aspects of everything with different people because that's, that's how you learn yeah. about the people around you or people that you haven't met. It's just one way to grow as a person using others' experiences and what they think is right and wrong. And apply it to your life somehow. I get, I, get, I get a little bit out of everything. I get a little bit out of every single time I sit down and talk to someone. It's and just, I think, Rafa, and it speaks, it's, it, it's, it's good that you're, I think it speaks to your character and your person because I think in order for you to have the desire to listen to somebody, you have to be humble. And you, yeah. humility has to acknowledge that, hey, I don't know it all, right? Um, what, it, took me a, where, it took me a while to know that I don't yeah. know it all. Especially, yeah. I mean, like you said, 10 years ago, if they would have told you that you would be teaching, you would have said, what? No way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. looking back to some, to the person that you had the most experiences with, which was me back in the day, not even back in the day, because back in the days, you know, you would say that 50 years ago, okay. four years ago, right. I thought I knew so much, you know, and it's just a problem young adults face. It's the reality of things. I thought I knew so much. I had no idea what was coming. And I still don't know what's coming. There's so many aspects of life that I'm about to turn 20. I'm not even 21. So imagine all the things I've yet to do yeah, and all the things that I have, I still have no idea, but I know I've grown a lot as a person, but you see, it's just like when I was 18, I, I, like I said, I thought I knew so much. So when you, as a teacher who's experienced way more of these things than most of your students, obviously, or all your students, how, like, for example, like, going to college and living that life and the responsibilities that come with it, you know, as someone who graduated from the university of Florida, you know, you, you, you went through your college years. Do you look at some students and you're just like, Oh, this, this kid's going to suffer a little bit in life. You know, like what happens when you have so much knowledge, how do you not just tell everyone exactly how it is? You know, you know, Rafa, one of the things that has come with age um, and with, I think, a little bit of maturity and a little bit of experience is when I was younger, I had this urge to tell everybody, like, you're doing this wrong decision. You're doing this wrong. And, and I hate to say it, but I was right very often. Yeah. Um, I think like that as well sometimes, too. I feel yeah. like I got, sometimes out of my friend groups, I feel like I'm the dad because I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Really? Right. That's the thing. That's how I was. And, and I think what I discovered is people will listen to you much more, much will be much more likely to listen to you if you speak less often. But when you speak that one time, you show them how much you care. Yeah. And if you try telling them 10 times, don't make a bad decision. And I think that's also one of the challenges of parenthood, right? You can't win. One of the things they tell you as a parent, and I'm not a parent yet, but one of the things that they tell you as a parent is you can't win every battle. Um, so don't fight every battle. Pick your battles. Because if you fight every battle with your kid, maybe you're right on every single one of those battles, or maybe you're right on 90% of them uh, because you do have more experience. You do have more knowledge, but you're going to have a child who's going to end up resenting you. And part of life is letting a person uh, go and letting a person make their decisions and letting a person learn on their own what's right, what's wrong, and what's in their best interest. But I definitely do see, to answer your question, kids many times, uh, and I sit there and I think this person's going to suffer. And, and it's funny because it goes back, and I, and I remember when I had some of my own high school teachers telling me the same thing. 
Like you're going to suffer in life. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, you're only saying that because you're this old, bitter guy and you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and it turns out they're right. And it turns yeah. out they're right. Um, but I think the one thing that does bring me some hope uh, is that I know that I've changed a lot and I, 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 and I still, I'm still in the process of changing. Uh, the last year I've changed a lot in many ways. Um, so I think that if I know that I've been able to change and I've been able to mature and grow and, and try to be a more loving, a more, a better human being, um, then I think there's nothing stopping another person from receiving the same gifts and, 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 and making the decision to become a better person. Right. So, uh, you know, I think in my case, what I've discovered more than anything is to pray very hard, right. To pay, to pray. And, and every day I, I, I say the same prayer. I offer a prayer for all my past, present and future students. And, and I, and I think of many of the faces that I've taught and I pray for them and I think of them specifically. And I think, you know, you trust, in my opinion, my belief system, I, I trust that God will, will help them because I think, um, there, you know, it's how you respond. It's not that whether life's going to hit you or not, you're going to get hit in life. Rocky has this quote, Rocky, uh, the, the movie Rocky Balboa. I never liked the Rocky Balboa movie, the, the, the fifth one, I mean, the sixth one. Um, Rocky I Balboa. Mean, had, there is no Rocky after like the second or third. After yeah, that, every, everything yeah. else is just. Yeah, it's exactly what I think. After the fourth one, there's no Rocky. But there's a, there's a quote from one of the from one of the later ones that is really applicable. And it's not about, and it says, it's not about how much, where the life will hit you, life will hit you. It's about what you do when you get hit, when you get back up. Yeah. But that famous Dwayne Wade quote uh, that has actually a Chinese proverb, uh, fall seven times, get up eight, right? Um, I, I think it's about when you're hit with one of those possibly life-changing moments where you feel you've made a bad decision. Do you take a step back, pause, and say, okay, I messed up, but I want to fix this. I want to be better. And I think if you make an honest effort to being a better person and genuinely, sincerely apologize and, and regret what you did, and then forgive yourself. Yeah. Ask forgiveness if somebody, if you hurt somebody and then forgive yourself and move on from there. I think you're going to be okay in life. I think you're going to be okay in life. I think so too. I really, really do. Um, but thank you for, I mean, every, everything you've said and all, like it, it's been, you know, like I said, quotes are really important. So just <laughs> things like that just do resonate with me a lot. And I hope whoever listens to this can get something out of it as well. You know? Yeah, I hope so too. I, I hope so too. I think, I think I, if I have to say just parting words, what I would tell anybody, you know, um, it's okay. Guilt is good. If you make a bad decision, guilt shows you that you have a sense of what's right and wrong. Um, shame is bad. Shame is not letting yourself, not forgiving yourself. So like, I think you, you, you're going to make a bad decision. You're going to feel guilty about it. You work through it. You, you, you forgive yourself. You ask for forgiveness. You make decisions so that you don't try to repeat that same mistake again. And you move on and you learn to the next life. And it goes back to the next experience. It goes back to that. The same logic can apply to business, to relationships, to family members, to anything. You do that. And I think over the course of many years, you're going to be a better person than the one that you first started off when you were a baby adult and you were 18. So, so this mindset, you know, the things that we've talked about today and what you just said, obviously, you know, you didn't have it 10 years ago, people grow, but you've come to thinking this way. Has it just been due to religion, life experiences, both, or, you know, what do you think is one of those pivotal things that just make you change as a person and think the way you do today? 
I think it's a combination of both, right? I think um, I'm a very big believer that God is present in any moment and every moment of your life. Include, so, and then people, when they say that is, well, what about the horrible experiences, right? Like, was God present there? Yes, absolutely, God was present there. And God was suffering with you right next to you. Um, but I think that a lot of these experiences, um, when you hit rock bottom or when you suffer, and I've had my moments um, where I've suffered greatly, uh, I think the question that's going to happen that you have to answer is now what? Yeah. Now what? And I think you, if you have the humility to, to recognize, I don't know the answer. I don't know what to do next. I need help and genuinely seek that help and genuinely take the steps to be better and, and, and praying and, and, and again, trying to love and, and trying to ask people for help that you trust. I think that you can find little by little life's going to get better. And it's funny because one of the things that I discovered that same year that I saw that I, that I, that you were talking about the bank accounts thing, 2016, yeah. there was something that I learned that I, that I saw that never changed that that's never left me. Um, you know, and it, it was in reference to God. And I believe this very strongly, uh, your relationship with God many times feels like a bunch of zeros that you're putting in a zero every day, every day, every day, you're putting a zero. And it feels like, you, what did you do today? Zero. And what God's role in your life at some point is you're not going to realize it, but one day, they're going to discover that there's a one in front of all of those zeros. And that's how much money you have in the bank account. You thought you had zero, but in reality, you're now very rich, rich in love, rich in wisdom, rich in kindness, rich in, 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 in virtue. Um, and I think that that's a combination of life uh, and a combination of you letting God weave himself in your life and, and be present in your life and, and change you. Um, I think it's a combination of both. So I, I definitely think people think, why does this always happen to me, right? Like that's the most common question. Well, the nice thing is Jesus said that same thing. And I think that if you discover that you're finding yourself, why does this happen to me? Why am I suffering? Why am I hurting? Um, realize that that just makes you human and that welcome to humanity. Yeah. Because I think we all have that moment. We all have those moments. And the way that you change and the way that you grow and the way you become wiser and the way that you become more loving is the decision you choose to make when you have those two voices in your head, giving you different options as to what you can do at that particular moment, what path you take, that's what's going to help you. And that's what's going to determine whether you mature, whether you become wiser, you more loving, or you become one of these unloving, inflexible, uh, intolerant, judgmental people that you see on Twitter. Yeah. You don't want to be those people. Yeah. No, seriously, the trolls, right? No. Yeah. It's, it's just people who love to argue about everything and they get some sort of high from just being a douchebag online yeah. and it's just, it's, it's really annoying. I was going to ask you one more thing, but I think, I think it slipped my mind, honestly, <laughs> but either way, thank you so much for being on this podcast and thank you so much for teaching as always, literally. Cause no, I appreciate being here and I, I'm excited. I wish you all the luck in the world of the podcast. I hope thank it grows. You. Um, and uh, I hope that if you ever become rich and famous and you have a super <laughs> podcast that you don't forget the little people like me and uh bring me on board and uh and i'd love to do this again whenever if you ever need if you ever need another guest so oh, of course thank I'm, you so much definitely definitely i mean this is something that i really really do want to stick to because i i have fun literally every time i've sat down and talked to someone i have fun because i do learn something new or i just have a good conversation and today i did feel like we had a good conversation about yeah those various topics including you know religion society and so many other things that is just it's and it's also a good way to catch up with people you know like yeah absolutely absolutely so i hope you're happy with today's conversation i'm, I'm thrilled I, I loved it i had a blast awesome, I had a blast. Thank, awesome. You. thank you for having me 
of course. <laughs> but either way, let me just uh, remind the viewers, not viewers, well, viewers or listeners, uh, that to come back every Monday for a different guest. Um, if you enjoyed today's, um, com- if you enjoyed today's conversation, check out next Mondays or check out last episodes. But also, if you enjoy comic books, movies, TV shows, anything related to fun entertainment news, join join me on Friday for the super. Friday edition of the podcast co-hosted by me and Carlos. Um, And thank you so much for listening and be safe. Signing off in one, two,